This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. In 2014, alone and retching on the floor with food poisoning in a hut in the jungles of Bali, Derek Loudermilk thought it might be the end. In a single year, he lost his house to a freak flood, suffered a traumatic brain injury, got divorced, and dropped out of his PhD program. All the scripts running in his life had dissolved. Derek had become a man with no identity. But at that moment, he realized his future was full of infinite possibility. He set about building a new lifestyle in business around adventure, connection, meaning, and possibility. Valeria Tellez interviews Derek Loudermilk, the author of Activate Your Life book series, Transformational Exercises from Coaches Around the World, Volume 1, 2, and 3, and also Superconductors, Revolutionize Your Career and Make Big Things Happen. Derek has coached global influencers, leading scientists, cutting-edge entrepreneurs, billionaires, world-record athletes, thought leaders, New York Times best-selling authors, and high achievers around the world for more than 15 years. Derek Laudermilk is a former pro cyclist and extreme microbiologist turned professional adventurer, author, and lifestyle entrepreneur. His podcast, The Derek Laudermilk Show, brings people to a high-level understanding of cutting-edge topics in science, spirituality, adventure, and human potential. Derek hosted the top-rated Art of Adventure podcast for seven years. Derek Laudermilk is the creator of the LEAP, LEAP System for Quantum Entrepreneurs. His business coaching process incorporates the Thought Leaders MBA, the Adventure Mindset, the Energy Experience, and Peak Performance Mastery. As an international speaker and trainer, Derek regularly presents on topics such as human potential, skill mastery, adventure, metaphysics, charisma, and confidence. Derek has visited over 40 countries in all of the 50 U.S. states. He has been location independent for six years and travels the world with his wife and two young children. They have lived in six different countries as a family. As the founder of Adventure Quest, Derek leads entrepreneurs and thought leaders in transformative adventure experiences around the world. Meet Derek at DerekLoudermilk.com. Here's the interview with Derek Loudermilk. In your own words, who is Derek Loudermilk? Hi, Valeria. Thanks. I, I'm an adventurer. I call myself an adventurer when people ask me at parties or networking events, what do you do? I say, either I say I'm a professional adventurer. Sometimes I say I'm an author, kind of depending on what I think the person would 
find interesting just so we can have an interesting conversation. Uh, sometimes they say I'm a farmer. So (laughs) (laughs) really I'm just picking whatever is going to lead to more interesting conversations. For yourself, if you were introducing yourself to you, what would you say? I would probably start with the questions first and then find the things that I have in common. I always like to find a few things that say I'm meeting somebody new that we can say, oh, we are like each other and then sort of build from from there. That would be a very, let's say, different experience if we ask that question to ourselves, right? Who am I? That's a, a powerful question to ask that I keep doing it almost every day, looking into my eyes in the mirror. Who are you? <laughs> and one day I did ask that question, probably was the most sincere moment. Let's say um, I was looking for clarity at that point. And the answer was the mind said to itself, there's no you, there's just here and here is everywhere. Mm. I mean, that was something because I was not looking for that answer really. And yeah, that stayed with me to this moment. I've done some gazing into my own eyes in the, in the mirror, some, something similar. And um, it is really very, to me, very comforting because I feel like there's no question. I expect that some, some people would be very confused to look in the mirror or it could be very confronting. And to me, it feels like I've known myself for a long time. Uh, so it's, it's can, can be very comforting, I think, for me to, to look in the mirror. How do you define success these days? What is to be successful to you? You know, that's honestly, that feels a little bit like something I would have done in the past. I'm not really measuring success in in a way, but every morning I do a sort of a gratitude journaling practice and I take some time to review the day before and how I showed up uh, the previous day. And Success to me is often a collection of new experiences and understanding that I optimized, made the most of the the present. So if I was in a, you know, with my kids, for example, if I was really there with them when we were splashing in the puddle, or if I was writing something creatively that I was not thinking about anything else, so that I was just there in the moment. So it seems a lot of things work out well for me when I can just be with each each thing in turn. We call it being present to what is present, like being in the moment. Would that be it, Derek? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And at the same time, you know, I'm a strategic thinker. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a business coach, but I've also been uh, an avid strategy game player, and and so I don't want to. I don't want to give the impression that I'm just living moment to moment because I do find a lot of joy in the grand plans, the strategic visioning. And so many times you come up with a strategy and uh, the world gives you some totally different, you know, roll of the dice. (laughs) You mean sometimes we can get very much cut up into the uh, expectations of what we are planning, right? That's 
and that doesn't seem to be a happy place to be, I would say, with expectations when we just, uh, we get so excited about something and then we get so disappointed when they don't come through. So I wonder what the balance is when it comes to that. Well, yeah, it, you know, yesterday I was disappointed because there was a, a contest that I expected to win, but I did not win. You know, this was, I was playing a little game with, can I manifest winning this contest? And I was fairly convinced that I would win, uh, but I didn't. So the whole, the whole time, the, uh, you know, wondering what, what is it, what is it going to feel like when I do win? You know, what am I going to do now that I've won? All those things were fundamentally irrelevant and they were an interesting experience in and of themselves. The experience itself of expectation or being excited about the future, they almost gain a life of their own. They exist, per se, already, independently of the result. That's an interesting perspective. Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's possible that, uh, for example, the going through the process of entering to win, it was, it was a... A mansion in the mountains, like a like a lodge, and or you could take a like a cash prize. And the process of you know just going down that path. Okay, well, if we won, would we move? Would we move to this house, like from our city out to the mountains? Would we do that? And like, what what would our life look like if we you know pulled our kids out of school and went to live in this mansion in the mountains? Has its own right. It, that's it starts a line of thinking, it kicks off a line of inquiry that could end up changing the direction of our family. So perhaps, you know, perhaps it still is doing what it's supposed to do, whether or not we won the, won the house or not. That's fascinating. So there is a change in, in perspective within the realm of the mind. Something's changing just by navigating that reality that we are creating for ourselves in this moment. That makes sense, right? I mean, so many shifts have happened because of that. It's almost like a contemplation of what is present. It could be an expectation of anything. So that makes sense, Derek. I never heard it that way. What is your understanding of happiness? Well, your questions are they're tricky. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, also something, yeah, happiness and success. Like I, I guess, uh, I don't really spend a lot of time thinking about them, but what's coming up for me is how in relationship to other people are, I'm sort of learning about how I feel. So like if I'm spending time with a new friend and I'm like, wow, I'm feeling a, a particular type of happiness. I'm feeling sort of a, an optimistic, what kind of adventures are we going to have? type of happiness. And there's totally different type of, there's all these flavors of it. Um, and it's, and so it's, it's influenced by the, the relationship between, you know, me and another person or, or my pets or, or whatever it might be that flavors that type of happiness. How did you become an adventure? How did that passion kind of came to be? I was, I was born an adventurer, but I gave that job title to myself when I was a PhD student and I ended up dropping out of my PhD program to travel the world mm, nine years ago. And um, so I so I said, okay, 
someone in a PhD, they become an expert in their field. And so I was kind of taking that model, but instead of being an expert in uh, microbiology, which is what I was studying, I said, I'm going to be the world's expert on adventure. So not only did I surround myself with adventurers, but I you know, became an adventurer and, and read every great adventurer story and you know, traveled the world and put myself in the uh, the wildest situations that I that I could find. If that's what an adventure is, that's how you would describe the idea of adventure? Just a wild, unexpected experience? Well, if there's there's sort of a, a definition that we could work with about adventure. If you look in the dictionary, it says an interesting or remarkable mm, yeah. experience. Yeah. So there's there's got to be some aspect of novelty there's uh, so, sort of a challenge or stepping up to the edge of the comfort zone so an element of risk in a way uh, whether it's physical you know real risk or just a perception of risk there's got to be an element of again with the definition of remarkability so there's a story there if you remark about something you're telling a story about it so it has to be something that has a story character an element of you want to tell it as a story. And then the the final aspect I would say is that it changes the person who goes through the adventure. They're, they're different at the end than when they started. So there's an element of personal evolution uh, through adventure. Yeah, that all makes a lot of sense to me. And I wonder if we can do that without leaving our houses through meditation or self-inquiry. That's an experience that I, not an everyday experience, but I often have those moments of, it's almost like a rediscovery of who I am, of what's happening here in the human body. So I wonder if I can call that an adventure. It really feels like it. Yeah, when I was, uh, when we were about to have our first child, I was actually feeling a little little worried that I would have less time, uh, you know, to go out and travel and, and do physical challenges. And just at that time, a woman emailed me out of the blue and she said, my spirit guides told me to hire you as a business coach. And I was like, well, that's amazing. Good job, spirit guides <laughs> <laughs> yeah. doing my marketing for me. Um, but she said, uh, I, let me give you a session so that I can uh, show you a bit about what I do. And one of the things that came up in the session was that I should learn to do lucid dreaming because she said that's going to be a great avenue for adventure for you and you won't have to actually leave your house to be able to do that. And that's when I started my dreaming practice and started learning how to lucid dream and keeping track of all the uh, dream symbols and the arch archetypes and stories and all that stuff. The last warm-up question for you, Derek, is spirituality. How do you view this topic or this idea of spirituality? What is to be spiritual to you? Well, I have, again, this training as a scientist. And when I started having what a lot of people call spiritual experiences, uh, I started, where I was coming from was, okay, if, if these are happening there's fundamentally an explanation. You know, the universe, the laws of the universe must be arranged in such a way that this is possible. Otherwise, I wouldn't be having them. So I started to look into 
the nature of consciousness and the dimensions and quantum physics and all these different aspects. And so really, you know, spirituality is sort of a placeholder term for, for earth, earth people. But if you, if you come at it from a higher perspective, spirituality is really just the sort of the laws of the universe uh, working. Uh, the laws of the universe. And what are some of these laws? Well, I would say perhaps a couple important ones, a couple frames to look at things through would one be that the material world that we experience here on earth is a byproduct of consciousness. And that that can be explained in, in many different ways, spiritually or scientifically. And another important uh, sort of overarching theme that I might consider, have your audience consider, is the phrase all is self. And, and that is uh, if we are all fractals of sort of a the sort of the infinite consciousness of the universe, then at the core, we are all the, the original self, which, you know, again, in, in scientific terms, uh, right. We believe that we may be separate people because I have this identity and you have a different identity that you're going with, but we're just sort of this field of atoms, which fundamentally is a field of, uh, electromagnetism which gives rise to this so that's one of the things that like a lot of people are experiencing psychedelics mushrooms ayahuasca type of thing and it and it's a very common experience to you know you can look down at your body and see that there's the atoms of air that are touching your body they're they're right there there's it's hard to tell where your body ends and the rest of the world begins it's just one of the very simple things that, that people start to realize like, oh, wow, this whole soup is together rather than just, um, you know, me as this separate uh, entity. Could you um, elaborate a bit more about the consequences of getting to know, to have this knowledge? How would we live moment by moment, like our daily lives? That must change a lot, right, Derek, when we get to have this knowledge. Well, I would say one of the things that changed for me was I, I don't fear dying and sort of I understand energy is neither created nor destroyed. So essentially we're immortal, which means uh, you don't have to worry about anything. <laughs> <laughs> so true. <laughs> oh, my God. That's liberating, isn't it? <laughs> it feels very much. Maybe that's why you probably have heard the word, obviously, enlightenment. And that's it's all about liberation, knowing the truth, which has to do with exactly what you just said. Everything's connected. There's just one source for everything that's that we see and perceive. That might be a great word to say liberation and liberation from suffering too, right? Because we a lot of our our suffering and pain it comes from the this attachment to the physical body as if it was the end everything and the end. And I, I guess I, I also don't want to come across as <laughs> an, enlightened, an enlightened person. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah sounds like it. <laughs> uh, even though uh, intellectually I, uh, I know I don't have to worry, sometimes mm. I just fall, in, fall mm. into that. Um, <laughs> mm, right. As, as a matter of going through my day. <laughs> huh. And you know, I think that's what it is too. Because if consciousness is both the seen and the unseen, 
then the experience of consciousness is everything. It's not worrying because now you know the truth and worrying because sometimes we forget the truth. So that would make sense that enlightenment would be just an idea, but in truth, everything is consciousness and everything we do and how we do it. There's no rules, really. That's how the message comes to me, really. So I love that you said that. <laughs> I would love to go back to the topic of lucid dreaming because that's uh, the main topic of our conversation today. Uh, applied metaphysics, how to grow your business using the laws of the universe. So you have these techniques and I have in front of me eight of them. So I would love to hear more about lucid dreaming. I have done that before, I remember. I practiced lucid dreams about 10 years ago. That was a very interesting experience, but I don't know how much, I think I was not ready really to interpret those experiences, but I would love to hear more about it, Derek. Well, what I like to do, and I, you know, I like you have the, the word quest in your podcast and I often operate, you know, part of an adventurer is having quests. And so one of the, one of the quests that I'm in the middle of is to, I think the number is going to be 100, but I'm, I'm about 57 different metaphysical uh, techniques in, into my quest. And, you know, these like for, for lucid dreaming or, uh, manifesting or different types of meditation, you know, whatever it might be, healing techniques that I've experimented with, I'm always looking for ways to apply them to something that we're trying to do in our lives. And I coach a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of healers, spiritual teachers uh, who have access to, you know, a lot of wisdom, but sometimes we're not always applying. So how can we apply lucid dreaming? How can we apply these different modalities to actually, you know, grow a business or, or make an organization thrive here in, in the 3d. And so, I mean, dreaming is so fantastic because a lot of people have this complaint of, I don't have enough time, or I always feel so busy, or, uh, I wish there were just more hours in the day, then I could be more productive, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, dreaming, if you, if you go to work in your dreams, then all of a sudden you add, not just an extra eight hours to your workday, but sort of almost almost an unlimited amount because when you can access your own subconscious mind, when you can access the collective unconscious or collective subconscious, then you can do things like you can break through creative challenges, which people have known about for a long time, but you can also, you could find customers, you can find business partners, you can get all kinds of guidance from your dream time, you, you know, if you have a big decision, you can understand what's the best, uh, what's the best outcome, you know, if I, depending on which path I'm going to take. So the real key here is that you set a clear intention each night as you go to bed. And the first, the first level would be, I'm going to remember, uh, I'm going to get useful information that I remember. And then, you know, you have a, a dream journal, next to your bed that you can write down as soon as you wake up. Cause a lot of people say, Oh, I don't, I don't dream or I don't remember my dreams. You do have, you do have to capture them before they drift away. And so, you know, having that intention sort of being the first layer and then your second layer would be the question of what you want to happen, what type of information, or is there a task that you want done? 
you're free to to send your your sort of dreaming double to go do things for you during dream time. So each night is something to look forward to because you can get so much done or you can have an adventure or you can you know work on your business if you didn't if you didn't finish during the day. <laughs> I remember using a script 10 years ago. I think I had a, something that I read before I went to bed. It was a general script. I, did, I think I didn't set any intentions. That's the key, it seems to me. So it's important to set an intention. What is the question, right? Uh, that sounds really good. I'm going to try that because um, I'm going to have my pad close to my bed. And then when I wake up, I'll try to mm. remember. That sounds really good. And I'll let you know, Derek. <laughs> later okay. On. All right. The other one is uh, one of the eight techniques I see here. I mean, I know that there are a lot more that you have experienced but you mentioned uh, crystal grids. That sounds very interesting to me because I heard that crystals are the only perfect minerals on earth in the sense of harmony, the imperfect harmony. Uh, have you heard about this before? Well, if you look into the molecular structure of a crystal, right, it's they're arranged in these sort of perfect patterns, layer upon layer of hexagonal shapes or square shapes or diamond uh, sort of frameworks, right? And the whole thing grows. It's, it's, it's a type of life form in a sense. They start, you know, from a very small seed and they sort of grow and they have information baked into the way that they grow, just like, just like people. But yeah, they really do sort of lock in a particular, an underlying frequency into their physical structure. And that's why different crystals, different, Minerals have different metaphysical properties. They they sort of flavor the vibration differently based on. Sometimes it's even based on the impurities, right? You can have a pure pure quartz, but the impurities make it amethyst, which is like putting a lens, you know, a colored filter over the the sort of initial framework of crystal. Yeah. Yeah, so talk to me about the crystal grids. How do we make them, create them? So, yeah, so do you use any crystals or, or do you um, do you like to use them as spiritual tools at all or anything like that? Oh, I used to, but not anymore. I don't think I have them around anymore. I used to. And then I lost, uh, let's say, touch with crystals. I don't know mm. why exactly, but I, I don't. Not at the moment. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. So I, I recommend starting with um, quartz, which is one of the most common crystals you can you can find one for a dollar somewhere. And one thing about quartz is there's an intimate relationship between quartz and water and human consciousness. Information can be, and this is this is all validated with you know decades of laboratory measurements. Uh, you can transfer a thought into a crystal, and then you can transfer that from a crystal into water, and then from water into let's say even a a projector or something like that into a, onto a screen. And so the, the influence uh, of our conscious intention awareness w to, to work with our crystals is, is, um, is very easy and it's, it can be quite profound. And so a lot of people just use, you know, individual crystals as healing tools. You know, you might put them on your body or wear them or carry them in your pocket or, or whatever you might do. The difference with a grid or an array is that you can use multiple crystals in relationship to each other. And this is particularly useful for entrepreneurs. Let's say you're launching a book, 
or a podcast or you you just created a, a retreat that you want to fill. The, the retreat example is a good one. Let's say you want 10 people on the retreat and you want you're going to have an assistant helping you with the retreat and it's going to be in a specific location, it's going to be in uh, Belize and you know it's going to be adventure and yoga and meditation or something like that. Okay. So we've got the flavors of the retreat and we've got who we want and you know maybe there's some profitability intentions that you have for it. You can represent each aspect of this launch with its own individual crystal, each part of the intention. And basically you you end up what used to be uh, let's call it a right it was just just an idea. It was something in your in your mind that you were planning, but eventually it has to become a physical reality. It has to become concrete enough that people are actually there in the flesh doing the retreat. They've, you know, paid and flown there and they're, they're meditating on their mat. So part of the process of making this idea more and more dense until it's real is what, what I see as, as grids sort of start to tether into physical reality, this thing that before was only in the thought field. And so you can, um, you know, you can just put your crystals out in relationship to each other doesn't have to be in any particular pattern or you can you can use any any crystals you want you know some of them right like if you want to use pyrite for prosperity and you want to use quartz for all the different people and you want to use lapis for um, clear communication or you know whatever it might be you can you can look up what each crystal is supposed to mean but you still when you're building it it's kind of like making art in a way you're still just relying on your own creative inspiration to to build this and then and then you you leave it up as long as you need you know leave it on your countertop as you know for days or months or however long until you actually launch your retreat and each day you you can spend some time with the grid reaffirming your intention for the for the outcome and um, it's sort of an intermediary step between dreaming it and having the actual experience uh, of it. So that's fascinating how we can use objects to manifest or to place the intention, the thought. It's so amazing to see that, how we can connect the consciousness that's here to the consciousness that's there and kind of amplify. Is that what happens, Derek? Amplifies the, the power, per se. Yeah, I see it as, um, yeah, it's almost it's almost paving the way for that future reality to exist by setting the vibration in, in play, you know, in our current current time, right? Because the event's going to happen in the future, but let's, let's bring it into this current reality, this present reality. Mm, yeah, as you said before, yeah, about strategies, planning, and, do, and then they become a reality in themselves almost at this moment becomes a reality that we want to see in the future. And even if it doesn't happen, it already happened in a way. So that sounds interesting to me. I mean, it's fascinating that we don't have to wait to be happy. That has been said <laughs> before, as you know, <laughs> oh, not a good idea to wait to be happy. So this really, really works for me. Another one that you mentioned, another technique, metaphysic technique, is the unified field manifestation. Mm. I don't know what this is. Well, it's a 
technique that I created. I'm ah. the I'm the inventor <laughs> of this particular yeah. technique. And in the in the world of healing, spiritual healing, uh, there's a lot of studies shown that these group healings have uh, high effectiveness. And it, in particular, you know, when let's say eight people are all intending to cure the cancer or the, you know, broken ankle or whatever of a single person, right? That's the receiver. And they come and they say, I want to be healed. And everyone sort of focuses together on that healing. And they, they noticed that the people sending the healing to the receiver also experienced healing because of the, you know, law of reciprocity, the cause and effect. So there's kind of a rebound effect. And basically, I took the same concept and just applied it to business. Again, because the people that I work with are creating products, offerings, services that, you know, that is, is in alignment with their mission. Okay, let's say you believe that, going back to our retreat example, you believe that's the next most important thing you should be doing for your mission is bringing people an experience. Uh, in this way. And so what we would do is if we all agree that this is actually important to all of us, like we see that you doing this retreat can change the world, right? This is maybe you're doing a, a men's retreat to liberate them from the trauma that they've, that they've carried for a long time, whatever it might be. Right. And you're like, wow, I, I actually want for that to happen. And so everyone gets on board with whatever it might be. So, so it could be a retreat or it could be you want to get on a podcast for the first time because you need to start spreading your message. Well, so, okay, great. We're all going to intend for you to get on to a podcast for the first time. So we spend some time uh, getting very clear on not just why you want this to happen, but you know, what it's, what's it going to do for your you know, your life, your purpose, once it happens, and what does it feel like? What does it look like? And we start to explore the tangible outcomes, understanding what it's going to be like once it happens, so that we get a good sense for how to send the intention. So once we get all altogether clear on what we're going to be sending, and you can think of it like you're sending it as a gift, or you're sending, you're radiating out the intention from your heart to the receiver, you know, I want from sort of from a pure heart, heart-based place, I want you to to host this retreat or go on this podcast. Then we spend 10, 15 minutes actually just sending and sort of collectively projecting this uh, to the receiver. And this is a this is a really cool part because everyone that's experienced this feels that when we start. It's like jumping into a, a river together, a river of consciousness, because even if you're doing it over Zoom, you can experience being together with everyone in the same place in a, in a different way. And you start to, you know, you can see the other people there on, you know, on the etheric plane, for example, but you can, you can see what they're wearing, you can see how they're acting. And so what happens is not not only are we sending this intention to manifest this future reality, but often we're getting information back. We're getting insights about 
how it's supposed to happen or what what would lead to this being completed successfully or um, whatever it might be. So uh, there's an element of like it kind of gives people psychic abilities in a way. That sounds a bit similar in a way to the principles and the law of attraction. But I think that the law of attraction is more, I mean, I think can be used also with groups, but it's more an individual kind of uh, adventure. Do you see some similarities, Derek? Oh, yeah, it's just, it's the same thing. But most people are, yeah, it's like instead of applying it individually, it's it harnesses the power of, of a collective. And so not only, you know, we've had 100% success rate with the main intention coming true, uh, which is unbelievable, right? Anything that has a hundred percent success rate in business is gold. But we also harness the rebound effect, which means that as you, as you give your intention for someone else's success, you also experience an acceleration of your own goals in in a way. Uh, and so it's really fantastic to do. We do this in my, my mastermind that I run for spiritual entrepreneurs and it brings people together. It helps everyone sort of understand exactly what what we're all trying to do and then you know we can contribute in in so many better ways and it's it's really fantastic i mean it sounds beautiful to me the community piece that we are doing to we're helping others and ourselves at the same time that's um one of the most beautiful things i can think of experiences in a human body this is my favorite one now <laughs> out of the five <laughs> the top five the unified field manifestation. I love that. So the other two are hypnosis and human designs. I'd love to hear more about them. Hypnosis, I have an idea. And human designs, I don't know much about it. Well, well, yeah, I can just touch on those fairly quickly. Hypnosis is perhaps the easiest tool for shifting your identity. And when you're trying to do something in business, it's much easier to work from the identity level. So if, if you're having trouble as a salesperson or if you're having trouble scaling, or if you want to hit seven figures for the first time or whatever it might be, and you're trying all the things, but it's not working, it's probably because your identity and therefore your actions and habits, et cetera, aren't matching with what a successful CEO identity is. And so it's much easier than, than trying to like do a bunch of things, just following a checklist or following a, a business plan or, or whatever, you know, because look at people that win the lottery, right? They're often broke within a couple of years. It's, it's because their identity never changed. You know, they got a bunch of money and then it just went away. So you have to work from the identity level and pick the identity that's going to suit your objectives. And then there's different ways you can, you can create experiences for yourself, like through adventure that change your identity, or you can even access it through hypnosis. And you can just do a little daily self-hypnosis and just go into your subconscious and sort of start tinkering, start shifting your own identity uh, from your subconscious. That is fantastic. I have an idea about the power of hypnosis. And human design, Derek, how does it work? Yeah, and I wouldn't say I'm, I'm, a, I'm an expert. There's many levels to it, but People fall under sort of uh, five main types, uh, and it's based on sort of an energetic blueprint when you're born. So you can go and anybody can get their human design chart for free. 
there's various places, but you just put in your birth date, time, location, that type of thing. It's, um, ast- astrologically, so it's so it's um, the field of the solar system as you were born, right? You sort of pick up an energetic blueprint as you're born, which flavors your life. And you know, if we have specific intentions for what we're going to experience, then you know th- we're largely choosing this flavor. But it can help in business. It can help in marketing or how you are as a leader, uh, how you are with your customers, if you understand your design. Because I would say most traditional Western business philosophy is is sort of like a you're going to make it happen. You're going to hustle. You're going to you're going to use your force of will to right create a create a business, and that works for. A, percentage of the population, you know, maybe 20% of the people do well in that. But if that's not you, if that's not your design, you're going to burn yourself out and be frustrated and wonder like, you know, I'm trying to copy this successful entrepreneur and it's not, it doesn't feel good for me. So learning a little bit about, so there's, there's generators and projectors and reflectors and manifestors, just understanding what your type is and can help inform you, am I going to be doing the hustle type of business where I'm telling people, here's what we need to do and we're going to do it, or am I going to be just sort of living my life and waiting for people to draw me into their projects and contribute in that way, or am I going to have this sort of picking and choosing between what's exciting for me in the moment? And that just makes things a lot less mm, energetically costly for, for entrepreneurs. It sounds very interesting. I think my husband would like this one or mm. would benefit from it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking here yeah, as you speak. I'm like, wait a minute, that's him. Uh, he needs to know more about his blueprint. So we're almost at the end. I do have a question for you about all these techniques. So the top five, crystal grids, uh, lucid dreaming, the unified field manifestation, hypnosis, human designs, and then the three extra that we didn't talk about, Oponopono and the... Uh, EFT tapping, and then breath work. So a quick question about all these techniques. Which one has been the most effective one for you? Not for other people. I know we're all different, but for you. Well, maybe I'll say there's, to optimize any technique you're using, the the meta skill would be your awareness and understanding how to direct your attention and how to quiet your thoughts and sort of, right? So so we said the intention with the grid, the intention with the uh, lucid dreaming, you know, whatever it might be. And so really learning how to master your awareness can benefit all the other techniques. So that's sort of a, a fundamental layer there. We did talk off record about Activate Your Life. You have a series of books, three of them, published. The other one is called Superconductors. You mentioned that you wanted to talk briefly about the Activate Your Life book series. Yeah, Superconductors I wrote as the sole author and Activate Your Life is a collaboration. I've uh, We've put three volumes out now, over a hundred co-authors and the, the series, the, the objective is to bring the, the best coaching exercises, the best metaphysical and healing exercises from all the amazing practitioners that I know and and sort of get them out into the world. 
And so each one is a collection of exercises that you can do on your own. Uh, you can do at home. Or if you are a coach or a healer, you can learn the exercises from the book for your own practice. So there's kind of two different audiences for the book. Uh, one is the professional healer or, or coach. Uh, and the other is just somebody that wants access to some of the world's best coaches in order to coach themselves. What do you love most about being in a human body or the human body? Personally, I love to push myself physically. Uh, I've done a lot of sports as a professional cyclist. And so I really enjoy the feeling of being strong, uh, which allows me to go places, you know, underwater or flying through the air or going fast through the woods. And so, yeah, I, I enjoy taking care of care for the body so that it can, um, you know, give me wonderful experiences. And what is another word for freedom? Another word for freedom is uh, a bunch of words just flashed through my head, but I just sort of rejected them all. But this one, I'm not sure. I'm not sure why. Solitude is another word for freedom. And and what I'm imagining is a specific experience when I was doing a vision quest by myself up in the mountains in Montana and um, fasting, essentially, you know, camping out in the high country for, for many days. And there was a, the freedom was in, I had nowhere to be, nothing to do. I didn't even have to think about anything in particular. And so there was, there was a freedom in just being with, with no strings attached. Thank you so much, Derek. My last question is, what three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die? I Honestly, I would love for everyone to get the chance to become a parent. That's been really meaningful for me. Such a key part of the human experience. I would love for everyone to have a love of an exotic love affair, maybe with, with you know, over a short time window that they never would have expected, you know, let's say like four days in a, an exotic location with someone exotic. And lastly, mm, that they build something with their own hands, a physical thing that lasts, whether it's a house or a piece of art or, you know, whatever might be something that they can um, pass by and, and know that they built it from nothing. Thank you so much again for your wisdom, uh, your presence, the wisdom you share, the timeless wisdom you share, and everything else in between. Thank you so much for being you, Derek. Yeah, thanks for having me, Valeria. And before we say goodbye today, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Yes, DerekLoudermilk.com and Derek Loudermilk on all the socials. And I have a show. It's called The Derek Loudermilk Show. And we look at the intersection of science and spirituality and adventure and business. Ah, that sounds wonderful. I actually have to go back to your website and listen to some of them. I've seen them. I've seen the mm, posts. Yeah. Thank you so much again, Derek. And we'll talk soon. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Derek Laudermilk and his work, please visit 
DerekLaudermilk.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.